2 in 10 with Tom. Positivity is Infectious, the podcast with Tom Fazio. Give a man a fish and you feed him for a day. Teach a man to fish and you feed him for a lifetime. The adage is either Chinese or Native American or Italian or Indian or Biblical. Sometimes it's linked to Lao Tzu, Maimonid, or Mao Zedong. No matter where it came from originally, it's an oldie but a goodie. What it means is, it can be more beneficial in the long run to teach a person how to do something than to do that something for them. And therein lies the positivity. You showed them how. But the positivity doesn't come from taking credit for showing them how. It comes from the gift of showing them how. And this can sometimes be a struggle because very often it's a question of knowing when to teach and when to just do. Parents go through this struggle all the time. They see their child, no matter the age, struggling, and they just want to take the struggle away. And sometimes that's what you need to do. Sometimes, though, it's not. Think about it. If someone comes to you and asks you to do something that they actually could do if they knew how, and you just do it, what have they learned? They've learned who to come to for that particular thing, and they'll keep coming to you for it. And keep coming to you for it. You know you've done it. I know I have. But if you teach them how to do it themselves, what have they learned? Maybe a skill. Maybe self-reliance. And that's something we're sadly lacking these days. The ability to do and even think for ourselves. The method of teaching can also vary, depending on the person. Some people learn by doing and some have the ability to learn by observation. I myself learn by doing. I also love to show people how to do things. I'll give you a simple example. Tying a tie. When I was little, my parents bought me a clip-on. Putting it on was nice and easy. Just button up your shirt, clip it on, and you're good to go. But people started to notice that I was wearing a clip-on, which led to some embarrassment mostly from friends that would flip up my collar and go, Aha, Tommy's wearing a clip-on. He can't tie a tie. So my father would let me borrow a tie of his when I needed one. He'd tie it for me, then take it off, at which point I'd slip it over my head and fix it. Eventually, though, he told me I needed to learn how to do it myself. It seemed so complicated. I could tie my shoes, but this was way harder. Plus, there are so many kinds of knots. Tying your shoe, there's one. So I concentrated on just one knot, the half Windsor. And I practiced and practiced, making plenty of mistakes along the way. Eventually, I learned it so well, I could do it without even using a mirror. Several years later, I ended up showing a coworker how to do it. So I got two rewards out of that, learning to do it myself and teaching someone else to do it himself. By the way, if someone tells you they learn by observation... Remember to make sure they understand what you've shown them by asking questions along the way, and if possible, having them show you how to do what you taught them. So, having said all that, what have you learned from today's show? Think about it. Tell me, and I forget. Teach me, and I may remember. Involve me, and I learn. Everyone has knowledge they can share. Yes, you do too. And you don't have to be a teacher or even a parent to do it. You just have to have the desire, and maybe a little patience. I'm Tom Fazio, and positivity is infectious. So how do you find positivity in disaster? 
Disaster can come in many forms, from personal to worldwide. But all disasters have one thing in common. They disrupt. Everything you know and thought was certain seems to now be in question. Things change rapidly, and you start to feel a loss of control. So what do you do? How do you find the positivity? Well, first and foremost, I'm not saying that disasters are or even can be positive. If disasters were positive, we'd call them something else. The positivity comes from you. Because you have to decide how you're going to respond to disaster. Are you going to keep calm and keep your wits about you? Or are you going to panic? By its very definition, panic, a sudden unreasoning terror often accompanied by mass flight, as in fight or flight, is not the right way to go. That doesn't mean, however, that you shouldn't take disaster seriously. It does mean that you shouldn't lose your cool. And that isn't easy. Nothing worthwhile ever is. But disaster can actually bring out the best in you. You can be the person others count on. Here's how. Number one, be careful where you get your information from. In this age of social media and almost instant limitless information, make sure the source of the information you consume comes from somewhere you trust. The fact that it's on social media does not make it true. Did the information come from an expert in the field, or your father's, brother's, nephew's, cousin's, former roommate's, hairdresser's best friend who heard it somewhere? Now make no mistake, I'm not saying that the fact that it's on social media makes it false. Social media is a useful way to stay in touch and get information quickly. But it's so easy to just like and share something. Just click, and it's out there. So what I am saying is to check the source of the post. And while we're on the subject of information, number two, don't overconsume. Between the multitude of news outlets, social media, and phone notifications, and believe me, I know of what I speak here because I've got, I think, nine news apps on my phone as it is, it's very easy to be inundated and immersed in news and information. And it's good to be informed. But be careful not to get overloaded. Give yourself a break every once in a while. You've got enough stress. Take a break from the information. And if you're getting your information on social media, Beware of the commenters. You've seen it. A news story comes out, and the comment section quickly spirals into argument and nonsense. That's the last thing you need in a disaster. Get the information you need and move on. Number three, don't hoard or overbuy. If the disaster causes the need to stock up on items, make smart decisions. Remember that you and your family are not the only ones in need. Don't buy things others could have used that you will likely end up throwing away when the disaster passes. Do you actually need that much of something? Is it really necessary to buy enough of a particular item that you could build a fort with it? And now someone else who also needs it can't have it? You know what you and your family need, and how much. And in times of disaster, you may need to conserve. Please, buy accordingly. And this goes without saying, but I'm going to say it anyway. Don't fight over items, and don't steal. If it wasn't already in your possession, it's not yours to just take, even in disaster. Number four, do for others. Everyone is good at something. What are you good at? What are your talents? What skills do you have? 
How can you put them to use for others in a disaster? Can you cook? Drive? Care for someone? Perform tasks for someone? Or how about just being of comfort? Sometimes that's all a person needs. Really check in with loved ones, friends, and neighbors. And by really, I mean not just by text. Call them or visit them if you can. Just like doing for others can make you feel good under normal circumstances, it can make you feel even better under disastrous circumstances. And just think of how it makes them feel. You can never be too kind or compassionate. In disaster, there is a ton of negative. But the choice is yours. You can let it consume you, or you can let it bring out the best in you. In a disaster, remain calm. Be smart. Find ways to act with kindness and compassion. And help others. If we all do that, we can get through anything. I'm Tom Fazio, and positivity is infectious. Infectious.